I never really prayed about what I was supposed to do, who I was supposed to be. And one Sunday morning, uh, Pastor Joel Stocker in Midland, Michigan, I was up in the choir loft that morning, and uh, in front of hundreds of people, he said, Jason Crone, you better fast and pray about what college you're going to go to. I was up front of church. What, what are you supposed to say? So I said, yes. And so I figured out what it meant to fast and pray, to incorporate that into my weekly schedule. So every Wednesday, I started fasting and praying and asking God, who do you want me to be? What do you want me to do with my life? And I'll never forget on a pre-service prayer, on a Wednesday night, I heard that still, small voice call me to the mission field. And my life was forever changed. I had direction. I knew exactly what college I was going to go to because my older brother and sister uh, went to North Central University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So I had a course. I had a direction. And so I went and completed a four-year degree there. And uh, it took, there was a 10, 12-year gap where I met a beautiful woman, had three children. But Aaron Rothganger came up to Living Hope, and he talked about the Fire Bible ministry. And uh, before the service, he took us into the back, into the pastor's office, and he said, I'm looking for a young couple to go out to China, and uh, I need some help with the Fire Bible ministry. He had a heart attack in 2001, and so he can't be on the field full time. And he said, I, I need a young couple to come out and help me, come alongside and help this ministry to continue to flourish. My wife was instantly excited. Um, she knew that this was the door we were supposed to go to. She, the Lord had told her two years previous that God was going to be opening a door for us to minister in. And uh, it took me a little bit longer, kind of like the last time. I went back to my prayer closet for about two months of fasting and praying. And I, once again, I heard that still small voice say, this is the door. Walk through and, and minister in China. Romans, that's our family in Hong Kong. Uh, you can go on to the next slide. Uh, it gives a little three years ago. That's what we look like. And then today, it's a little bit closer. So a few changes in the little ones. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. I'm going to have to hold it up closer. It's dark back here. <laughs> Romans 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's the Fire Bible ministry. We're trying to bring the good news into China. Who knows what the, the Fire Bible is? Raise your hands. A few of you. The Fire Bible is the full life study Bible. And uh, it has a great concordance in the back. has some tremendous maps. has a concordance, study notes cross-reference, a bunch of tools that are great for Chinese pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And there are three huge obstacles in China. There's the communist government that is still oppressing the Christians. There is Buddhism and Islam is making a sweep across the nation. And it's just part of the everyday culture to have a little idol in the house. And it has a little red, uh, a little red uh, light bulb. That's on there. And so when I go from my house to the bus stop, I pass 13 to 15 different idols just on the way to the bus stop every single day. 
And so it's entrenched. Buddhism and Islam is entrenched there. And then the third is the lack of resources in China. And our ministry, the Fire Bible Ministry, is trying to get into the hands of every single church house pastor, teacher, and evangelist a Bible. Less than 1% of pastors are able to go to a Bible college of any kind. Less than 1%. And China's really good at disseminating information, and they say they have Amity Press. They say Amity Press is printing the most Bibles of any printing press in the world, and it's located right there in China. But what they don't tell you is that 90% of the Bibles printed are exported to Italy, Germany, right back to here, to the United States of America, where when I left three years ago, I don't know how many boxes of Bibles I boxed up because I, I was trying to collect one of every translation. I have a ton of Bibles and study materials, and I went to a Bible college. All of that teaching and, and theology that you're able to work through. And so our ministry tries to give the, the pastors the ability to work through some of those things I was able to work through in Bible college. That is the one, the Full Life Study Bible in the Chinese script. Uh, you can go on to the next one. Uh, we have 2.7 million fire Bibles have been distributed all throughout China into every single province. Let's give the Lord a praise clap. 300,000 are printed and waiting for more beautiful feet to deliver it. If you'd be willing to go to take a few Bibles across the border, once we get them into Shenzhen from Hong Kong, we can pretty much ship them into almost every single province from China. Would you be willing to go? Uh, well, we already talked about the Amity Press. There was another, another note that I was supposed to catch before I went to the next screen. I missed it. Can you go back to that one? I lost my train of thought. Aha, the lack of Bibles, Falun Gong. That's what I needed to see. <laughs> Falun Gong is just like Jehovah Witnesses and the Mormons. Uh, they take scripture and they turn it just a little bit. And in China, because of the lack of Bibles, because of the lack of understanding of Scripture, the Falun Gong comes in and tells them, oh yeah, we've, we've got a Bible right here, and they completely warp the Word of God, just like the Jehovah Witnesses, just like the Mormons. And when you don't have the truth, when you don't understand Scripture, they're easy prey to be misled down the Falun Gong path or the Eastern Lightning path. I call myself the acting director. I try to act like Aaron Rothganger when he goes back to the field. But my, my desire this morning is that you would, you would see the picture of China. You would see the needs, the entrenchment of Islam, of Buddhism, the communism, the pressure. You wouldn't believe the pressure that is on Christians every single day, just living their lives for God. The pressure, the, the freedoms that we have here in the States is so precious that we can meet together here and have no fear of a policeman coming in and disrupting our service. So many blessings here in the States. And I, if you guys could catch that vision and that you could, you could see the desire of my heart that every single pastor, every single evangelist could have God's Word 
the ability to study it and to learn it and to be able to guide and direct the people of China. The church is growing in China. It could be 100 million strong today. And on, on one of the stats here, if you go on to the next page, uh, about 1 million are able to stay in country. That would take 100 years to get one Bible for just every single believer. One Bible, 100 years? I'd be 134 years old if I was last on the list. We can't wait for that. So we have to take God's word into China. Will you pray for me and my family? Any, anybody, will you pray for me? Amen. Love you. Some of you may be thinking, well, why don't you just take them in? Well, I've had the privilege of being in China with Jason, and we got busted. And uh, it, it's right. From the uh, government, they say, yeah, we print Bibles. We, we, you know, there's no problem here. And there are, there's a three-self church that the government controls. And they say, yes, we allow believers to worship. But the control is just unbelievable. When we were going through those borders and they found out that the group that we were with had holy Bibles, they say, no holy Bible. We all got uh, busted, our whole entire group except one of us. And uh, I think I was the first one to get caught. And it wasn't because I was wearing the shirt. Um, it was just, you know, who knows why? Because I was tall, maybe. You know, and all the Chinese are like, what in the world? But um, anyway, but it, the, the pressure is, is very real. And, uh, and we love what you're doing. And we're excited to partner with you and uh, to ask God that as we continue to grow, that we will be able to pick up uh, sharp missionaries that are giving of their lives and uh, their families um, to, to do the work of God. And so that's exciting. I, we have some things that we want to bless you guys with. Um, we do believe that missionaries are just awesome. and We understand the sacrifice, and uh, we just thought it'd be kind of neat, um, you know, to bless your kids this morning and uh, give them a little gift before, uh, before we go. And, uh, and so, first of all, Abigail, we've got something for you, all right? And uh, aren't these kids awesome? And then Isaiah, there you go. And even Samuel, we've got something for you, buddy. All right? <laughs> shake, shake, knee, that's right. Shake, shake your knee. Shake, shake your knee. All right, there you go. All right, and then of course we got something for you guys, just something small. And uh, but we are gonna we're gonna uh, do something uh, now that we we do every month that we bring missionaries in. We're gonna pray, and uh, I'm gonna ask the kids here at the uh, elementary age and students, kind of 18 and under, to join me and uh, have your family come. And uh, and we're gonna pray, and then after we pray, we'll dismiss the kids and we'll introduce our speaker for the morning. So any kids 18 and under. Uh, even 19, if you want to come, uh, come on up, and we're going to pray for this family and ask them. Pastor Mark, I'm going to ask that you would lead the lead in prayer this morning. All right, students, come on quickly, quickly. All right, very good. All right, kids, come on and put your hand on one of these kids on their shoulder or on Jason or Bethany. And Pastor Mark, why don't you lead us in prayer? Lord, we are so thankful for the crones that you have called, Lord, uh, to go to China, to go and be uh, your uh, feet, Lord, your hands to uh, people in need of the gospel, Lord. We just pray for a hand of protection over them, Lord, that you would guard them, Lord. 
uh, while they're here in the country, Lord, back in the United States, that you would guard them traveling from church to church. And Lord, I pray that you would bless them, Lord, with all of the support above and beyond what they require, God, to get to the field. And, and Lord, I pray that you would just pour out blessings, Lord, on their family and on their children. And as they get back to the field, Lord, I pray that you would uh, work in them, Lord, in uh, greater ways than they've yet seen, Lord. I pray that you would move in, in bigger ways and Lord, they would ever dare to dream or expect. And we pray that you would protect them, Lord. I pray that you would uh, shield them, God, from the enemy, from the plans and attacks of the enemy, Lord. And we just pray that uh, they would be effective in spreading the gospel and in getting Bibles in hands of pastors and teachers and evangelists. And we pray for their children that you would watch over them and protect them, Lord. And, and Lord, that they would uh, continue to develop a heart for what you're doing in the Chinese people, God. Lord, that the passion they see in their parents would be contagious, Lord. And, and Lord, they would uh, have that same fire inside of them, Lord, and that it would be uh, fanned into flame, oh God, that they would have their own burden, Lord, for the Chinese people and for people all over the world. We love you, Lord. We thank you, God, for all this and more. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. I want us all to stand, and we're just going to take a quick second to turn and greet those that are here. Our kids are dismissed to go to Club 252, and uh, we will be right back in just one second. All right. Many of you were here last week when we had uh, Lansing Teen Challenge with us for our missions uh, first service of our missions convention. We our sanctuary was set up like a banquet hall, and uh, during our meal, we kind of got glimpses of what God is doing in missionaries' lives across the world and uh, missionaries that we support. And uh, that was exciting. Today is kind of the conclusion of our missions uh, convention, and uh, and I've asked a special guest to be with us today to challenge our hearts. Um, we love missions. We honor missionaries with a Royal Gateway welcome. We want to be a blessing to missionaries. We want to continue to come alongside missions uh, organizations locally and stateside and all the way across the world to China and beyond. And uh, we want to make a difference in our world. We want to make an impact as a church. We are called to do that. It's our responsibility. And this morning, we're going to hear from a man that was, is passionate for missions. He led a church in Des Moines, Iowa for years and uh, was one of the pillar uh, churches, gave more money to missions than, than most churches would ever dream of, and uh, it was because of the leadership of their pastor. And now he's not pastoring at this moment. Uh, he, he runs a ministry called Come Alongside Ministries, and he travels and he does consulting, uh, but he also uh, speaks at missions conventions uh, across the United States, and we are blessed to have him and his wife and some of his family here. And, uh, and John, I just want to welcome you to Thank the Gateway you. Church. He's not a stranger. He's been here before. But let's give a welcome to you. John Palmer this Thank morning. You. It's all yours, Thank my friend. You. Thank you. Hey, good morning. Debbie and I are so very, very happy to be here, excited to be able to share in this service. Wow, what a, what a wonderful time in God's presence and to hear this powerful the powerful story that uh, Jason and Bethany brought to us. My wife Debbie and I have been married for 35 years. We've had some really, really good years. Um, 1978, 1991. Uh, no, they've all been really, really, really good. Debbie hails from uh, Adrian, Michigan, 
and her Aunt Noni and her mother, Audrey Clay, are here. So uh, Debbie, Audrey, and Aunt Noni, would you all stand and would you welcome my family that's here this morning? Debbie's mom turns 79 next weekend and just is active in serving the Lord, works with the kids in uh, children's church every week when she's, when she's home. And she and uh, her sister Noni just, they love Jesus and uh, are so, uh, have impacted so many people's lives. In fact, Tony uh, Tidswell and his family grew up in the church under the leadership of the Clays and um, their, their ministry just really extends around the world. And for us to be here um, with, uh, with Jessica and Ben is just really, really neat to see this young couple. Uh, I know you love, would you join me in sharing your appreciation for your pastor and his wife and for Mark and Julie and giving God praise for them today? Amen. Most of you have seen Coca-Cola all of your life, but what you may not know that it was, it was begun in, in um, May, May 18th of 18, 19, 1886 when, when Dr. Pemberton created the Coca-Cola syrup in his backyard in a three-legged brass pot. He went to his friend at Jacob's Pharmacy and said, how about if we start selling this drink? And so they began. They began selling Coca-Cola at Jacob's Pharmacy for five cents a drink. Total sales the first year for Coca-Cola averaged nine drinks a day. Total profit for Coke the very first year was $50. And from that humble beginning has grown this, this humongous company whose brand and product is known all over the world. Interestingly, the founder, Dr. Pemberton, and his friend, J uh, Jacob sold out after a couple of years for they sold their company for a thousand dollars because they weren't sure it was really gonna if it was really gonna go anywhere. <laughs> Big mistake. Lots and lots of Coca-Cola has is, has been served up all over the world. In fact, when I was at the Coca-Cola Museum not long ago in Atlanta, Georgia, I learned that every minute of every day. One million Coca-Colas are sold somewhere in the world, which means in a given day, 1.6 billion Coca-Colas are sold. In fact, there's been so much Coke sold that if you would take all the Coke that's ever been produced from 1886 till now, and you put it in those small eight-ounce bottles that you sometimes see, commemorative bottles, and you would put those bottles end-to-end they would stretch around the earth 11,863 times. Or if you take all the coke that's been produced, put them in those small bottles, and put them end to end, they would stretch to the moon and back 1,057 times. If you take all the coke that's ever been produced, put them in these cans, and stack them next to Mount Everest, which is 27,000 feet high, it would take 20 million columns of coke to hold all the coke that's ever been produced. Or if you were ambitious enough and, and could do so, you take all the coke that's ever been produced, go down to the, 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 the football field at MSU and begin stacking the Coca-Cola all over the field and then just put them on top of each other. The Coke cans would have to be stacked 30 miles into the air to hold all the coke that's ever been produced. You take all the coke that's ever been produced and put them in those big trucks that rumble down the road 
and go out and stand here on the interstate and just stand at a certain point. And if the trucks would pass by at 65 miles an hour, bumper to bumper, it would take five years, five months, and five days for all the Coke trucks to pass your way. Now, you're probably asking yourself, so why would our, our, our normally level-headed pastor invite a guest to come all the way from Springfield, Missouri to share such worthless statistics with us? Well, they really aren't worthless when you think about it, because when we think of the magnitude of Coca-Cola and the vision behind Coca-Cola, it was Rob, Robert Woodruff, the one of the early leaders of Coca-Cola, who for 50 years was the president CEO. And he shared his vision with the company. It was this. It is my desire that everyone in the world have a taste of Coca-Cola before they die. That everyone in the world have a taste of Coke before they die. If that is their dream, if that's their vision... Shouldn't it be our vision and dream that everyone in the world have a taste of Jesus before they die? If Coke can, we can. If Coke can take their sugar water to the world so that in more than 220 countries of the world you'll find Coca-Cola, then we can take Jesus to the world as well. It was in 1969 that Coca-Cola came out with a new slogan. It was the real thing. Coke is the real thing. And so I asked this morning, what is the real, real thing? Is Coke the real thing? Or could the gospel be the real thing? Could Jesus be the real thing? Could salvation through faith in Christ be the real thing? I assert that it is. And Jesus gave us a command to go into all the world and take the gospel in fact, if you have your copy of the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God this morning, I'd like you to turn, please, to the book of Mark, the book of Mark, chapter, chapter 16, because Jesus, Jesus has some important words for us. This was just after he had died on the cross, rose again, and been with the disciples for 40 days. Now he's getting ready to go back to heaven, right? And he said to them, verse 15, go into all the world. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to, to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, these miracles, will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the miracles, by the miracles that accompanied it. Here's the big idea for this message today. The theme, the thesis, the main point, it's this. The whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. Would you, would you join me in saying that again? The whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. That's why, 
That's why you're sending your young people to youth convention. That's why you're having the leadership meeting this Tuesday night. That's why you do Bible studies in small groups, and that's why you support missionaries. That's why, that's why you do everything, every outreach you do, every, every single thing that this church does is for one purpose, because the whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. If we don't have this, we don't exist. The church is in the redemption business. That is our only, that is our only reason for being. We are here to bring people into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, to see him transform their lives as he's transformed ours, and disciple them to become loving, joyful, spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ, fully committed to the Lord. That's the purpose of the church. The whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. And God loves churches that get it. God loves churches that understand the Great Commission and that flowing out of our love for Jesus, we love people that we've never seen. We love them so much that we're willing to give our time and talent and treasure. We're willing to take a missions trip to the Dominican Republic. We're, we're willing to, to join with whatever the effort is in order to bring the love of Jesus to people who've never heard about the Lord. The whole purpose of the whole church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. I, I think I said that once, didn't I? You may hear it again. If we're going to do that, there's really three things that Jesus tells us we need, we need to, that we need. The first is we need a personal commitment. If we're going to take the whole gospel to the whole world, it requires everybody to get, to get involved. Jesus said, Go. Go into all the world. That is a message for each of us, not just for pastors and evangelists and missionaries. It's for every one of us. Every one of us has a responsibility to go into all the world, to connect somehow with, with sending this gospel, beginning in our neighborhood, and then extending and circling the globe. Kim and Sherry Babcock are missionaries that this church supports. You see their family's picture. They're missionaries in Argentina. They have a personal commitment. They left family, they left home, and they are there. They're there doing King Castle ministry, working with young people, mobilizing young people to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I spoke with them last week, and they were, they were sharing with me about a recent outreach. They had bought all sorts of food and coffee and were going to feed the homeless on May 25th of this year, which is their national holiday. It just so happened, because it was their national holiday, the police didn't want any, any um, homeless people on the streets during the festivities, so they herded them in trucks and took them out of town. So the youth were really, dis really disappointed when they got to the, the downtown area where the, where the uh, homeless normally were, and there were none to feed and none to, to give coffee. But the leaders encouraged them, well... God has us here, so let's just see what divine appointments we'll find. And they were sharing with me, Kim and Sherry shared that they met a young teenage girl who was sitting on a park bench, and they sat down and they began to share with her about, how, about the love of Jesus. They told their own story, and they asked about her. And in the course of their conversation, this young lady gave her life to Jesus Christ. She prayed to receive the Lord right there at the park on this holiday. After they had done praying, she turned to them and said, see that bridge? And she pointed to a bridge not far away. She said, I, I had just texted my friend 
telling him goodbye that I was going to be jumping off the bridge and committing suicide. But she said, now I don't need to because I found God and I know that he loves me. And today, five months later, this young lady is active in the church serving Jesus all because some missionaries had a personal commitment and some people like you had a commitment that says, we're going to support them. We're going to pay, we're going to give our money every month and we're going to help send these missionaries to that part of the world. Would you join me in giving a God a clap offering of praise for, for what he's doing there in, in Argentina? There's another young couple that, that has made a great commitment. Their names are Paul and Crystal Burkhart. And you see them there with their four children. They are in, they are in the country of Laos. They are in a place where it is, it is illegal to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to do anything above ground. It is very, very controlling. It's a communist-controlled country. But there they are. Think of taking their four, four your four children to that part of the world. In fact, just last week, one of their sons was bitten by a poisonous snake. They had to rush him off to Thailand, and thankfully, he, he, God spared his life. But there they are. They've made a personal commitment. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, not just to the easy places, but to the hard places too, like China and, and Laos. They were telling me, Paul was telling me about the, the couple that you see there in the picture, Diang and Mayek. From, from Laos. They just recently got married, but just before they got married, uh, Diang gave his life to Jesus. And because of that, he was ostracized from his family. He lost his job. He lost his home. He had nowhere to live, and so he moved in with the Burkharts into their missionary home. Shortly thereafter, he got, he got married to... to um, Mayak, would that be the way you would say that? Who knows? Make, Mayak, Mac, not Mac for sure, Mac. And they got married. She came from a very, very strong Buddhist background. It caused great turmoil in their family. And she, she really had an attitude toward, toward believers and, 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 and against, against the Lord. And so it was a very tough situation. What they didn't know was that since she was seven years old, she had been introduced to evil spirits by her, by her mother in an attempt to heal her of a disease. And so she, every night, when she would, when, if, if the, the lights were turned out, she would see evil spirits coming at her in the dark. She had visions every single night. So, so she slept with the light on since she was seven years of age. One evening, as Crystal was in the, their small kitchen popping popcorn for the kids before, their, before they went to bed. Crystal was just singing and praising the Lord out loud and using the name of Jesus in her songs. What she didn't know was that Diane and Mayak were in their bedroom and, and this caused a great spiritual battle for Mayak and she began to convulse and, and she began, as the demons that were, that were within her were reacting to the name of Jesus. But in that moment, as, as, as Crystal was just out in the kitchen, think of that, just popping popcorn and singing about Jesus, Jesus delivered her from demons. She prayed to accept Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. All the bitterness and anger toward Christians have gone, and today they are now called by the Lord, and they're preparing to go to an, their hometown and plant an underground church there in Laos. Would you give God praise for what He is doing? See, 
It's the personal commitment. It's everybody. Paul and Crystal couldn't be in Laos if it weren't for you and for other churches that were providing financial support. It's, it's all of us getting involved. Here's what I like to say. I can do what you can't do, and you can do what I can't do, but together, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do great things. I can do what you can't do. You can do what I can't do. But together, through the Spirit, we can do great things. I relearned that lesson a number of years ago when I was reading an article while I was sitting in a dentist office in Des Moines, Iowa, awaiting a root canal, doing everything I could to keep my mind off of this impending pain. I'm reading this story. And it so intrigued me that I asked the, the dender, dentist office if I could take it home. And they said, yes. Yeah. So I took the article home, and I called, I called to Bruno, Nebraska, and asked if I could get the phone number for Herman Ostry. I called him and said, sir, you don't know me. I'm a pastor in Des Moines, Iowa, but I just read this article about you in, the, in this farm magazine, and I need to know, is it true? And he said, it is. I said, then would you tell me the story in your own words? He said, a few years ago, we bought this farm. And at the farm, on the farm was a barn, and the barn was, was near a, a creek. And every spring when the rains came and the snow melted, the creek would flood and the overflow, and the barn would, would fill up with water. He said, this one year we had 27 inches of water in the barn. It was a total mess. He said, when it finally receded, I got the family out there, and we began to clean up the barn. And out of frustration, mostly, I said, you know, if we could get enough people we could carry this barn up the hill and it would never flood again. He said, I really wasn't serious. I was just venting. But my son Mike be, thought, what could we do? Could we really make that happen? And so, unbeknownst to me, he said, Mike went down and he counted every board in the barn, every nail, every two before, every shingle, and he determined that the weight of the barn was about 19,000 pounds. And he figured if we could get 344 people to lift 55 pounds, we could carry that barn up the hill. They have two problems. Number one, there's only 200 people in the whole town of Bruno. And number two, how do you get 344 people, if you could find them, around the barn to lift it? So they came up with an ingenious plan. They attached steel tubing to the inside and outside of the barn, creating space for 344 people to hold on. Then they put the word out to the Bruno Centennial Committee, getting ready to celebrate 100 years as a community, that they were going to have this barn raising. <laughs> and they were really shocked. On the day of the, of the barn raising, July 30th, 1988, there were 4,000 people from 11 states that had come to their farm to see what was going on. And they picked 344 people out of the crowd. They each, they each carried 55 pounds, and they lifted the barn. They took it up the top of the hill, and it never, ever flooded again. And when he told me, I said, you're serious? You really did that? He said, yeah. I said, is the barn still standing? He said, it is. So a few years later, Debbie and I drove from Des Moines, Iowa, to Bruno, Nebraska, a little tiny town 40 miles north of Lincoln, and we saw the barn. It's still there, a bit weather-beaten, but still there, handles and all. I thought you might like to see. Here's a video of moving the barn in Bruno, Nebraska. Tell you the 
slowly, very steadily comes forward. Very slowly, very steadily. Just build it slowly and steadily forward. Now real slow, real steadily. Good forward. Beautiful. Just take more steps and Move real slowly, just turn your feet. Careful of your heels, careful of your fiddle, fellow man. You're doing a great job. Slowly, 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 try to turn the barn. That way, that way, keep coming. Just real slow, real steady, keep it coming. We keep on going? Yeah. Okay, let's keep right on going. She's going to a great stop. Just great. You guys are doing this. the most beautiful job anyone could ever want to see. Slow down, slow down, we're gonna stop. Let's stop there. Okay, we'll stop right. Just on the forward. And watch your heels. Just great. Now the women carriers, they're doing a fantastic job. It's just a beautiful job. Slowly lower. There you go. We're gonna have a little bit off the ground. Let the water run under it, I guess. You ever seen a barn move like this before? Yeah. That's a memory. Nothing to it. Nothing to it. See? It's amazing what can happen when we work together. Two of them, three of them, five of them, ten of them, twenty of them couldn't have lifted that barn. But there was a certain point where they got enough people and they were able to lift that barn up the hill. That's what this Faith Promise Sunday is all about. In a few moments, we're going to invite you to make a faith promise to missions above and beyond your tithe for the next 12 months to the cause of world evangelization through this church. An opportunity to take a step of faith and say, we want to participate. We're going to invite every teenager, every young adult, every older person, every single, every married person, if you're new in the church or you've been here for 10 years, we're going to invite everyone to be a part. This is your handle. And it's not like anyone has to do a ton. It's all of us do something, whatever the Lord puts on our heart, and we can move the barn. Only here, we're not, we're not lifting a literal barn. We're taking the message of Jesus to the world because if Coke can, we can. If they can do it, we can too because there are so many of us, and as we work together and join with our brothers and sisters from other churches and all over the world, if we really get serious about it, we can do it. We can take this gospel. Jesus said, go and take the gospel. It requires a personal commitment. It just won't happen. Secondly, it requires a powerful God. A powerful, powerful God. Notice verse 20, if your Bible's still open. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them. That's the key phrase. That's the operative word there. The Lord worked with them. They did what they could do. God did what they couldn't do. The Lord worked with them. They preached. They proclaimed. They, they went to their world. And then God did what they couldn't do. Jason and Bethany go to China. They do what they can do, but God does what they can't do. They do the mundane. God does the miraculous. They do the natural. God does the supernatural. We do what we can do, and then God comes in and says, I like the fact that you're doing what you can do, but it's not quite enough. 
So let me do some miracles on your behalf. Let me do some things to help you. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word. That's the really cool thing about sharing the good news of Jesus. Romans 1.16 says, It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. All we have to do is share the gospel, to live the gospel, and then the gospel works. We do what we can do. We share it. We live it. We give it. We send it. We we share the Bibles, we, we share the broadcast, we do what we can do, and then God says, now I'm going to move in the hearts of people through the Spirit, and I'm going to change their lives. And that's happening all over the world. I want to share with you what's happening through the ministry of Phil and Linda DeMusto. Again, you support them. They're your missionaries. They're your missionaries in Indonesia. And they were sharing with me this last week how grateful they are for the support of this church. In fact, Pastor, these and every missionary with whom I spoke, about eight of them, said, thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting. We couldn't be doing what we're doing if it weren't for you. They shared, they shared with me about, about a young man by the name of Amutha who recently came to know Jesus. That He went to a national youth camp, and there at the youth camp, this, this young the Muslim boy gave his life to Jesus Christ and was transformed by the power of God. He's on crutches because the day after he, got, he gave his life to Jesus, he was riding his motorcycle and he got hit by a car. And he's in the hospital for some time, and it further just strengthened his faith in Jesus. And Amutha wrote me a little note this week. He said, he said I'm praying for my mom and my dad he said, I'm praying that they would come to know Jesus and that they would put away all their idols and their altars and they would serve Jesus Christ alone. Isn't that powerful? Here's a young man whose life is transformed by the power of God, by the power of the Lord, because missionaries that your church supports took the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in a few minutes, when we make those faith promises, when you give, some of that money will go to help this missionary. These missionaries continue to do that same, that same kind of work. I was also talking this last week with Sarah Craigie. Some of you have met Sarah. She's a young single missionary at the Eastern Michigan University. And there she is now just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. She was sharing with me about a young Chinese girl by the name of Jofi Ran Chan. Jofi came to Eastern Michigan from China. She had never seen a church before because in her part of China, there are no churches. And she came and, and someone began to talk to her about Jesus. She had heard about Jesus but didn't know anything. So she, she started going to an international Bible study there at University of, uh, Eastern, Michigan, Eastern Michigan University. And there she came to meet Jesus as her personal savior. There, under the leadership of Sarah Craigie, the missionary that this church supports, she was baptized in the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. She went back to China for the summer, intent on sharing the gospel. On the fourth day she was home, she visited a local hospital and asked permission to go into every room and lay her hands on, on the patients and pray for healing for them in the name of Jesus Christ. This is a young Chinese girl who came to EMU, got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and then went back to China to take the gospel. She doesn't need a passport. She doesn't need a visa. She, that's her home country. And she's there sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Just before she came back for this term of school, she was able to lead her cousin to the Lord. And she, she wrote Sarah a letter and said, today my cousin accepted Jesus. She is now our sister in the Lord. Woo-hoo, woo-hoo is what she said. Okay? I don't know how you say woo-hoo in China, but that, Chinese, but Mandarin, but that's what she did. That's, she was so excited. And now Sarah told me that she is in a, she's leading a Bible study at EMU studying the book Mere Christianity with nine Chinese in the Mandarin language. And there they are, just a few miles from here, up the road, a Chinese girl filled with the Holy Spirit in Mandarin is leading a Bible study there on the campus to lead other Chinese students to the Lord Jesus Christ. We serve a powerful, powerful God. Come on, give God a clap offering of praise. That's why I'm so excited about missions, because we're partnering with God. If it were just us doing it, we're doomed. But God is doing the miracles. Someone asked me not long ago, do we have to give to missions? Have to? We get to. Have to is the wrong question. We get to partner with the Lord. Every teenager in this room, every young adult, every older person, all of us, we get to partner. We get to make a faith promise so that we can invest, so that the gospel of Jesus Christ can be taken around the world. I was also in conversation this week with Sharon McCammon, another missionary that you support in the country of Lithuania. There you see her with all of her children's missionary team. It is illegal in Lithuania to preach the gospel to children without the permission of their parents. Somehow, by the grace and the favor of God, this last year, they spoke to 5,500 children, 5,500 children about the love of Jesus Christ. Now they've been going into orphanages and they're seeing children saved in the orphanages. They're going places that you and I could never go. But, but God is a powerful God and he is opening up doors. I hope when she comes back, you'll have an opportunity to hear her story. It's powerful to hear the miracles that God is doing in opening the doors for, for them to preach the gospel in Lithuania to the children and closing the eyes of the officials so they don't even know what's going on. And, and, and Jesus is more working in the hearts of children. We serve a powerful, powerful God. I also had a conversation this last week with Kirk and Amy Priest. They are, they are campus ministries, ministry in, in Germany. They lead a ministry called Students for Christ. And there they are just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with their children to college students, most of whom are agnostic or atheist. They've begun a ministry called The Living Room. They don't call it church, it's called The Living Room. And the students gather. They were telling me about a Muslim young man by the name of Mahmoud. Mahmoud came because his sister had given her life to Jesus, and he and his parents were very upset with that. And so they, he came to check out this cult that she was involved in, the living room. And when he came, he was, it, Kirk was preaching that night on hope in Jesus Christ. And as he was preaching, it just began, the Holy Spirit began to move in Mahmoud's heart. And he felt very uncomfortable. And so he said to his sister, we've got to leave. And so they left the, the meeting. They got on a subway. He began to cry. In fact, Kirk said he began to cry so uncontrollably that at the third subway stop, they had to get off the, 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 uh, the subway because he was, he was just 
crying so uncontrollably there in public, when he finally composed himself, he said to his sister, while, while that man was speaking tonight, Jesus healed me. He had had an abscess on his stomach that had not been able to be treated. It had been there. He, no one else knew about it. His sister didn't even know about it. But he said while he was speaking, he said, my, he said, my stomach was completely healed. The abscess is completely gone. He said, now I believe in Jesus. And he's just now being baptized in water, a brand new follower of Jesus Christ as of two months ago because we serve a powerful, powerful God. We don't have to defend God. We just have to unleash him. Just let him get out and he, God will do the work. Finally, I spoke this last week with, with Kurt and Tony Lee Collison. Many of you know them well. They're from, the, they're from Michigan. They minister to high school students here in, in Michigan, go in, and they do what's called the Seven Project, and they, they go into the school and do character-based um, um, assemblies. They're not allowed to talk about Jesus, but then they invite the kids to an evening rally, and there they're able to talk to them about Jesus. He said that just one month ago, one month ago, they were in down, is it down river? Is that the play? Down river. They were there doing an, doing an assembly in the morning, and then at night they had a service. And a young girl by the name of Anne came up to him afterward. She handed him a note that he read after, she, after he'd gotten home. And the note said this Dear Mr. Collison, I fail at being Atlas. I can no longer hold the world on my shoulders. My shoulders are tired and crumbling. I don't want to hurt any longer. Tonight, I heard a tiny voice slip through the fortress that I had built around my life. And the voice said, you are not alone. You think you're alone, but you're not alone. And she said, tonight, I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. That's so powerful. Only God can do that. I can't do that. Your pastor is good of a spirit. He can't, we, we can't penetrate the, the heart of someone, but the Holy Spirit can. And when we speak about a, a God who loves them and cares for them and, and a Jesus who died on the cross to forgive us of our sins, and we begin telling people that the Holy Spirit goes at work. So whether it's, whether it's Anne in, in Down River, Michigan, or Amutha in Indonesia, or Mahmoud in Germany, or the young lady in Argentina who was getting ready to jump off the bridge. The fact of the matter is we serve a powerful God. And when we can get the gospel to the people, it works. No wonder Jesus said, go and preach the gospel. He didn't tell us to tell them about ourselves or tell them about our doctrine or tell them about the assemblies of God. He said, just go tell them about the, tell the good news that Jesus died on the cross, he rose again, and he will empower our lives, you forgive us our sins, give us hope forevermore. Just tell them that. Just tell them that. And then sit back and watch me do the rest. And that's what's happening. Go into all the world. It requires a personal commitment. It requires a powerful God. And thirdly and finally, it requires perennial faith. Perennial faith. So why the word perennial. Well, because it means present at all seasons of the year. It's not, it's not a come and go faith. It's not a God of faith today and it's not here tomorrow. It's a constant faith. I'm trusting Jesus 
if my marriage is going well or if, my, if it's tanking. If my job is like the best or if, my, if I just lost my job in, in this Michigan economy, if, my, if, my, if I've got money in the bank or if I'm, if I'm just trying to make ends meet, I'm still trusting, I believe. I believe in Jesus, like the apostle who said, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know whom I have believed. I may not know what, but I know whom. I may not know how, but I know whom. I may not know why things happen as they do, but I know whom I believe in. It's that perennial faith. Notice what we read in verse 17. And these miracles will accompany those who believe. That's the faith. Okay? It's the commitment to go. It's the power of God to work with us as we go. And it's the faith to believe. That if we happen to pick up poisonous snakes along the way, if we happen to get ourselves into a difficult situation, God's going to deliver us. Yeah. It, it's, it's, the, it's, the faith, it's the faith to believe that no matter what happens in our lives, if we accompany demons, we can drive them out. It's the faith to believe that all things are possible, that nothing is too hard for God. I will tell you, there's a lot of things that are too hard for me, and there's a lot of things that are too hard for your pastor, and there's a lot of things that are too hard for our missionaries, Jason and Bethany, but there's nothing too hard for him. There's some things that are too hard for my mother-in-law, for my wife and aunt, but there's nothing that's too hard for the Lord. There's some things that are too hard for Tony and Candy Tidswell, but there's nothing that's too hard for the Lord. There's some things that are too hard for Joe and, and Amy, but there's nothing that's too hard for the Lord. There's some things that are too hard for Jerry and Jerry, but there's nothing that's too hard for the Lord. There's some things that are too hard for Carl and Carol, but there's nothing that's too hard for the Lord. There's some things that are too hard for, is it Dan? Dan and Sherry, but there's nothing that's too hard for the Lord. See, see God, can, God can do it if we'll give him an opportunity. It's perennial faith. It's believing. And here's how the faith is going to work today. I'm going to invite you in a few moments to take this faith promise card and say, I'm going to take a step of faith today and make a commitment to give to missions for the next 12 months. It, it, it's not based. A faith promise is not a pledge. It's not based on what I know I have. If I need a car, I go down to the used car lot, I pick out the car that I can afford, and I sign on the dotted line, I'm going to pay you $194.84 for the next two years, and I'm going to buy this car. That's a pledge. I know I've got it, I'm going to, I'm going to pay it. This is not a pledge. It's not based on what I know I have. A faith promise is based on what I believe that God can give through me. What I believe that God can give to me to give away. So I don't have it now, necessarily, but I'm believing in the next 12 months God can give it to me. Can we believe that the God who delivered the little girl in Argentina from suicide... The God who saved Amutha in Indonesia, the God that touched Anne in the little the teenage girl in Downriver, the, the, the God who touched the, the Chinese girl Jophie in at EMU. Do, can we believe that if God can touch and change our lives, that He could provide some money for us? I know some of you, us are in a difficult financial place. And this message is not without understanding of that. 
But I want, us to, I want us to grab a hold of the fact today that we serve a God who when we tap into his, his mission will supply for us. Here's the way I like to say it. If we will take care of God's business, he'll take care of ours. If we will do what God wants us to do, he will see that our needs, he'll see that our needs are met. I remember talking to, you saw Paul Burkhardt a little while ago. I remember talking to his, would have been his grandmother, grandma, his grandma and, and grandpa there in Adrian, Michigan, Madeline Burkhart, and she was telling me about that, that again, that's the, the missionary from Laos that we saw a few minutes ago, his grandma and grandpa, who loved Jesus like since like 200 years ago, and I mean, they just really loved Jesus, and, and so they were telling me about the time, it was in the early 1960s, and they had a service at Adrian Bethany Assembly. And the missionaries, there were some missionaries from Guatemala, Walt and Miriam Hades. They were there to present the need of Guatemala. And while presenting the need, they shared the fact that in Guatemala, they needed to build, they needed to get a, a well so that they had fresh water for the Bible school. Because every day, the students were forming a bucket brigade to go get water about a mile away. And so they wanted to have a well, but they didn't, they didn't have the money. And so they were presenting the need to churches. So there they are on a Wednesday night at Bethany Assembly in Adrian, Michigan. And Paul and Madeline are sitting there listening to this presentation. The problem is that Paul and Madeline had well problems of their own. In fact, every summer from June, July, and August, for 20 years, every summer they had to buy water to, and truck it in for their family. And that was very costly. So they were thinking, we'd like to help with this well, but we've got our own well problems. And the Lord spoke to them to give $25 a month. Think of $25 a month 50 years ago. I mean, it's, 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 money, it's good money today. It was a ton back then. And so they made a commitment to give $25 a month for 12 months. They didn't have it. Plus, they were staring at a well problem that needed several thousand dollars worth of repair. They made the faith promise. They began to give month after month after month. The Hades has raised enough money to go down to Guatemala City, build the, dig for the well. They tapped into a river underneath. They got all the water that they could possibly ever need for the school in abundance. And if you go there today, the water is still flowing out of the well. The other side of the story, the rest of the story is, for the 20 years from then until they sold their house, they never, again had, they never again had to fix their well. They never again had to truck in water. God healed their well. God repaired their well. The first 20 years, trucking in water every, every month in the summer. The last 20 years, they didn't have to bring in any more water because they tapped in to a divine principle that said, if you'll take care of God's business, he'll take care of yours. I want to encourage you today to join us in taking a step of faith. Every person who calls Gateway your church to say, today, I'm going to be a part of this miracle. We not only want to support these missionaries, but other missionaries as well. Your children are making missionary faith promises as well today. And I love it when children get involved. Here's one, here's one from a girl in Naperville, Illinois, and her name was Elizabeth. She said, with God's help, I will give five dimes and two dollars to BGMC this year. And then she wrote, but my dad is going to have to help me with this. 
Well, that's the heart of faith promises. Our Father's got to help us. If I make a faith promise of $100 a week and I don't know where it's coming from, my dad's got to help me, my Father in heaven. If I make a commitment for $100 a month and I don't have it, my God's got to help me, my Father. I remember in Des Moines, Des Moines when we were pastoring for 22 years, that David Anderson, a high school senior, kind of, he caught the spirit of it. He was going on to medical school, and in fact, he's in medical school now. And he came to me afterward and said, Pastor, I made a $1,000 faith promise today. $1,000, a high school senior saving up for college and med school. He told his parents, his parents said, we don't have that kind of money. He said, Mom, I'm not asking it for you. I, I, I'm trusting my heavenly father. And that year, Dave Anderson gave $1,000 to missions. God provided it for him through his work, through gifts. And, God, so, and he, at the end of the year, Dave brought $1,000. Because he trusted God. He believed in the mission. He had a personal commitment. He was tapped into this powerful God, and he had perennial faith. I love this one, too. This came from Cammie. This was in our very first church we planted in Athens, Ohio. And Cammie Kuhn pledged a dollar a month. And she, she wrote on the back, I'd like to give more, but my mother keeps me on low income. Trevor, you can relate to that, right? Parents keep me on low income. Yeah, I, I can relate. P.S., I'll try to give more. P.S.S., P.S. number two, I'm only 11 years old. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I've kept that now for over 30 years. Every time I read it, it reminds me of the faith of a child. It says, I'll, I'll believe God for a dollar a month. I'm asking you, is there anyone in this room, is there anyone in this room that could not believe God for $5 a month or maybe $10 a month? Is there anybody in this room that couldn't believe God to do something through you for the next year? No matter how tough the situation, if you love Jesus and you want to see other people come to love him too, I want to encourage you to take a step of faith. I'll conclude with this last testimony. I was a couple in, in the Des Moines church. They shared, they shared with me after the convention they were planning to do $1,000. That's what they had agreed upon. He had just... He had just left his job and was starting a new business. So he was going from a salary to, to a new business. Just entrepreneur, no, no salary. And so they thought, a thousand's a stretch, but let's, let's just trust God. During the service, as the message was being preached, he felt the Spirit say, add a zero to the end. So he took the card from his wife and he added a zero to the thousand. She looked at it and nearly fell off the pew, he said. She said, do you know what you're doing? He said, no. But he said, I feel like this is what we're supposed to do. Scott, at the end of the year, wrote me a letter. I should have brought it. I would have loved to you see it. He said, this year, not only did God supply the $10,000 for the faith promise through this new business, but he said, we began tithing. We had not been tithing before, and now we've begun tithing as well. And he said, just thought you'd like to know next year our faith promise is going to be $20,000. Connecting with God, partnering with what God is doing. It's not the amount, it's the, it's the exercise of your faith. So what I'd like you to do is to take this card, and I'd like you to hold it in your hand as I show you one more picture on the screen. This is a young lady in Cambodia. Her name is Srey Own. As you look at this card, I want you to think of Srey and Amutha and Anne 
and others. Sray's story is this. When she was a young girl, she was sleeping in a, bed, in a room. It was a one-room house, basically, with her brothers and sisters. She was fast asleep when she felt, she felt feet dangling on her face, and she opened her eyes to see her mother hanging from the ceiling. Her mother had hung herself right in the same room where her kids were sleeping. So she and her brothers, because the father wasn't around, took the mother off of the noose and laid her on the bed, completely dead. When her father did show up, she kept asking, Dad, Dad, why, why? Her dad said, I don't know why. He went to drinking more and more. Eventually, a year later, he was killed. He was murdered, leaving these children without parents at all. She went to an Assemblies of God orphanage where she met Mark and Joan Bowen, Bowman, who were, who were leading that orphanage. Her heart was very hard. She was very angry, as you can imagine. But the Holy Spirit began to do a work in her life. He softened her heart. She opened up her heart to the Lord. She forgave she gave her mom for what she had done. She forgave her father for the way she had been treated. She, and she began to be healed. Fast forward about 12 years She's now living in Phnom Penh. She's a fourth-year medical student. She's number one in her class. She wants to be a doctor so she can go back to the village where she grew up and share the love of Jesus Christ and do medicine. The other day, they were having a conversation, Mark told me, in the medical school. And the students were saying, tell us about you. They were talking about each other's parents. And most of them were government officials or, or business leaders. She said, I'm an orphan. And they laughed. They said, orphans don't go to medical school. She said, you're right. If, it's weren't, if it weren't for God, I wouldn't be at medical school. If it weren't for God and some, some churches supporting missionaries like this. So I'd like you to take this faith promise card if you would. Everyone have one? Yeah, they're, they're on your seat. And I'd like us now just to, to ask the Lord, what could we give? I'm going to invite you to take your pen or pencil that's hopefully close by and mark on that either weekly or monthly. Write your name, your address, sign it. You say, why do I need to sign it? Oh, yes, there's pens under the chairs. Pastor was prepared. Great job. Why do I need to sign it if it's between me and the Lord? Because there's something about signing our name to a faith commitment that just seals the deal. So I wanted to encourage you to do that. In a few moments, we're going to invite everyone to the front. Everybody in the room gets a can of Coke. And on the, Coke it say, on the can, it says, if Coke can, we can. Gateway Church. And everybody in the room gets a can of Coke. And then once you come up here, if you, if you have a faith promise to give, we'd just like you to put it in. You can tear this part off, right? And that's a reminder of your commitment. So would you join me as we pray? Lord, I thank you and praise you for the privilege, the privilege of doing together what none of us can do by ourselves. And today, Lord, I pray that you would speak to every teenager, every adult, every couple, every single person in this room about being a part of missions around the world. I ask, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would give us the faith to believe that you can do more through us this year than you've ever done before. And in this tough economy, we don't know where it's coming from, but Lord, we're gonna, we're gonna tap into your resource and believe. We're gonna trust you and believe that as you supply for the Burkhart's in 1960 with their wells, as you supply for Scott and Denise Richardson 
couple of years ago, as you supplied, as you supplied for others, Lord, that you're going to supply for us. And you're going to make it possible for us to go beyond whatever we've ever done before in order to see more people's lives change for the Lord. And someday, Lord, we're going to meet, we're going to meet Sarai On in heaven. We're going to meet Amutha and Anne and Mahmood. And we're going to meet many, many more whose lives have been changed because we gave. So we thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 First of all, I want to say thank you, John and Debbie, for the commitment to missions for all these years and your willingness to come and to challenge us, and I appreciate it very much. I can remember the very first time I made a faith promise. I was in a junior high, and uh, I was challenged to give $2 a week to give up a Big Mac, I remember, <laughs> and uh, to give up a Big Mac a week to be a blessing for missions. And since that time, God has used Faith Promise. Jessica and I have both uh, participated in Faith Promise giving ever since. We wouldn't think of doing anything else. Again, this is above your tithes and offerings. That is first, a first fruit to the Lord. Then after that, we're just believing God together, that God would give us a measure of faith as a body of believers to do something together. As Pastor John encouraged us. I want you to fill out that faith promise. And I want you to know that uh, we don't just talk about this as leaders. We, we do this in unity. I have the faith promises of our board members and God working through each one of them. Some, some of you are saying, man, I don't know how I could do it. I want to challenge you to, to trust God, to let God speak to you. And again, Pastor Mark, here in a moment, has the kids, and they've been talking about faith promises all, all month long, and they'll be giving faith promises. And we want every single one of you to participate today, 100% participation. I'm going to ask the ushers to bring the three, three uh, buckets together, or uh, three plates, and uh, to, to bring those forward. And I want to give two, one to Jason, one to Bethany, and then Rick, I'll take yours. And uh, we're going to take the offering a little bit different this morning. At the same time as we bring our faith promise to the Lord, we're going to ask you in just a moment to come forward to, to bring a faith promise. We're going to ask you to pick up a can to take home. It's not a can to just crack open and, uh, and drink. We want you to put that on your desk at work or uh, on the shelf uh, at, at home, somewhere where you'd see it on a daily basis. And again, on the, the ones on the, on the ground here, they have a little sticker that says, If Coke can, we can, the Gateway Church. We want, you, we want you to do that, to take that, and we want every single person to take one, no matter if you're here for the very first time or you've been here, like Pastor John said, for almost 10 years. Next year's our 10-year anniversary, which is kind of exciting, but we want you to do that. The other piece that I want you to, 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 to consider is we have an offering envelope uh, at each chair as well, and we'd like you to give this morning to be a blessing to Jason and Bethany. And I want you guys to come and ushers, just bring those forward uh, real quick. And uh, Jason and Bethany, uh, they are raising support to go back to China. And uh, I'll take this and, um, and then each of them, that would be great. Inside your, uh, inside this envelope, we want to, on the other line, you can put China or put Crone, um, either way, uh, Jason, whatever the case might be, use that other line to do that. And we want, to, 
we want to be a blessing to the Crone family this morning. I'm going to give you a second this morning to just kind of set your heart before the Lord and ask God what He would have you to do today. And then in a moment, we're going to receive an offering by having each and every one of you come, grab a can of Coke, return to your seats, and we'll kind of worship together. But we want to do this together in unity. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. If you're filling out an, uh, an offering envelope, we want to encourage you to do that. To fill out a faith promise card, we want you to encourage you to do that as well. And let's believe God to do the supernatural this morning. Ask and you will receive whatever you need. You said, pray and I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal your land. You said, your glory would fill the like water to see you say lift up your eyes the harvest is here the kingdom is near you say ask and I'll give the nations to you oh Lord that's the cry of my
ask and you will receive whatever you need. You said, pray and I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal your land. You said, your glory would fill the Water to see, you said, you said, lift up your eyes, the harvest is here, the kingdom is you to stand this morning. And Rick, I want you to close us in prayer. And uh, I know you've been to Africa and to China, and uh, you have a heart for missions. And uh, Rick serves on our missions board and uh, serves on our uh, official board as well. Um, There's a lot of faith here. We've been praying, believing for a 25% increase this next year in missions, and I just I just believe that this will represent that or more or greater, and uh, that's going to be awesome. And uh, as we leave today, um, let's pray for just a supernatural year ahead, and uh, and let God continue to work here at the Gateway Church, making an impact in our community and in our world. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. awesome God and that Lord you are going to go above and beyond what we can ask or think in this coming year and that Lord you're going to pour it through us as we are open vessels for you that Lord you're going to provide supernatural opportunities you're going to give thoughts and pictures in our lives of how we can be used of you And Lord, we just pray for Jason and his family as they, in the near future, will be going back to China, Lord, to prepare again. Just pray that you would supernaturally use them in a mighty way in getting the word of God, the good news, into China. And Lord, we pray for each person here who has given of themselves, who has stepped out in faith, faith in you, Lord, that, Lord, you are going to be glorified and that you are going to be honored with the works of our hands, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.